Welcome to the FE Research Podcast, a podcast that aims to showcase the practitioner inquiry, scholarship and research being carried out within further education. I think there is there is a lot still ahead, I think, for us to, to get through this year. But one of the one of the things I've really taken away from this project and you know one of the reasons why I'm so hands-on involved with it, both the research and the network, is because I think it's so hope and interesting and engaging to learn about how professional practice is happening and how we're finding ways of, even in the most difficult circumstances, help and support each other. So hello and welcome to the FE Research Podcast. I'm here with Joe Fletcher-Saxon. Hello, Joe. Uh, hello, Alistair Smith. Hey, you said my name. That's didn't two comedians to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm just mixing it, mixing it up from your usual joke. Um, you are, you are. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are yourself? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, we're we're recording this on a day where where I live. It's really snow still. Oh, we've had a little bit of snow here. Um, and of course, we're still in a lockdown. I think we keep saying this a lot um, while we're recording the podcast. Um, but uh, it, it has been nice to look out the window and watch the snow falling as something different as well. Yes, yes. Okay, so who have we got today? Um, we've got Dr. Marin Deepwell. Mm-hmm. So uh, this could be a very interesting podcast. I think um, You've got lots of questions here, Joe, as well. So I will introduce. So we've got Dr. Marin Deepwell, who's the CEO of um, ALT, which is the Association for Learning Technology, which is shaping the direction of education technology and driving the field forward internationally. So with a background in anthropology, um, uh, Marin's particular focus is on critical perspective of the development and the future of technology in education professionalization and skills in learning technology, including the development of CMALT, which is an accreditation framework and leverage technology to create greater equality in education. You see, Joe, this is why you shouldn't let me do the, uh, you know <laughs> do the introduction. I thinking that you give a man a job on it. <laughs> but do you know what? Um, Marin isn't here to talk about this today. Um, She's here to talk to us a little bit about Amplify FE. Um, And I think this is where your questions come in, isn't it, Joe? It absolutely is. Hi, Marin. How are you? Hello, everybody. Um, Great to be here. I'm joining you from Cardiff, where it isn't snowing today, but also definitely still a lockdown. Yes, yeah. So uh, thanks so much for coming along. So, you know, I've seen some of your stuff on Twitter and I've sort of I've met you in a couple of meetings, or I've been at meetings where you've been talking. So um, you're here to talk about Amplify FE, and there might be people listening that haven't heard about Amplify FE. So do you want to begin by giving us an outline of of what it is? Oh, absolutely. And um, I'm really excited to speak to you and Alistair today. I'm so passionate about this particular project. But just to give our listeners a bit of a broader context, the association... um, now, has a long history. We were founded in 1993 and I've been working for ALT since 2008. So I've seen quite a lot of this history. And I think one of the things that we've seen across all sectors, from schools and FE into higher education, 
is that so many people have come on board with learning online, using learning technology, learning, teaching and assessment. There's been a lot of um, more people interested in the subject, um, whether they wanted to or not, really. And many of them didn't know where to start. Also started to reinvent a lot of these um, solutions. Those of us who've been professionally in the area for you know years or decades um, have already come up with. So day to day, you know, my work for Alp is all about trying to champion the professional expertise of learning technologists um, and everybody using technology for learning and teaching. Um, but particularly in further education, it's been one of the areas I think where there's so much good work happening, but everybody is too busy really to maybe surface it enough and, and share it enough and recognize it enough. So a few years ago, I was involved in a project called Blended Learning Essentials, which ended up some really highly successful free-to-take courses on FutureLearn, mm -hmm. helping teachers in vocational education and training um, to upskill to use digital tools in their learning. And we had a wonderful community of practitioners um, that helped champion and help facilitate it. And I thought, you know, I've been part of so many wonderful projects where you have a really exciting community of practice that then sort of stops existing as soon as the funding dries. And so we went to the UFI Trust, the Rock Tech Trust, and said, you know, we'd really like to continue to support this community and similar ones, but we don't want to stop um, stop it again as soon as the funding dries up. We want it to be a long-term, a sustainable project. And this is really where Amplify FE came from. The desire to work an independent professional body, independent from you know government changing priorities and funding bodies changing funding calls, and try and set up a network that connects existing communities of practice and helps practitioners and researchers connect with each other and amplify their work. So hopefully that gives you a bit of background. Obviously, I'm keen to dive in and explain a little bit about what we actually did and how it all works and where we are now. Um, yeah. But yeah, hopefully I get context. Yeah, actually I, I, I did one of those future learn, blended learning essential courses and realized your connection to those. Um, okay, so- yeah. Glad to hear that. <laughs> so tell us then, so you, so you arrived at the stage of wanting to create IFE and I know it kind of came out of a research project or there was certainly research involved in the creation That's right. of IFE. So tell us about that. Yeah, so um, the, the first phase of the um, project happened um, from January 2020 to June 2020. And obviously that was a time where nothing really worked out as we thought it would. And... The first part of the work was led by my, my colleague Emma Proctor-Legg, whom some of you might be familiar with, and took place as part of an audit where we identified um, close to 100 different communities of practice. We audited each community of practice, including online community groups and networks, to try and identify what makes a community of practice in FE. Um, how do they work? What commonalities do they have? Um, are some, for example, only active around a special events or tweet chats? 
Um, how do you find out about them when you don't already know that they exist? <laughs> Some of them have really cryptic names that unless you're already in the know, are really difficult to locate. And some, again, are behind, um, you know, closed doors on community sites that unless you're a member, you can't really see who's involved or what like what the community is like. So we were trying to examine the characteristics of what makes a sustainable community of practice in the long term and what happens when they go, when they undergo changes or transitions. And we tried to think about you know, not just the established group, but also the practitioners whom they're for. Um, how do they serve their members? One of the areas in particular our research looked at was the governance and control of groups. So we looked at, you know, do members have a meaningful level of control over communities or networks do? How can they get involved? Can they set agendas? Um, would they be able to... Um, change from being a new member to maybe organize it um, or is there always the same person or group of people who's in charge how are they funded and those were all things we looked at when we did our audit now if you're interested in finding out about the audit um, you can download the executive summary and the full report with anonymized data from the amplify fe website um, but maybe if it's helpful, Joe, I could go and just highlight some of the key findings from the audit. Mm, please do. Yeah. So um, one of the things we specifically looked at was what makes networks influential. And we found that from the communities and networks that we looked at, the most influential networks were on open and easily accessible platforms. So maybe one example would be Twitter. And we also found that the most sustainable and long-term active communities of this give their members very meaningful control over the domain of the network and the community itself, and also what the community does, like the community and activities. There was a lot of active engagement that we found, um, which was focused on finding resources for teaching. So, for example, contextualizing content and sample papers um, for core curriculum areas and particularly for functional skills and some of our findings were definitely shaped by the pandemic hitting us in the middle of the research period because obviously the demand for finding tools and help and content for the teaching online was absolutely soaring um, but we also found that uh, there were a lot of communities of practice um, that didn't know about each other and they were doing one thing over here and another group were doing another thing over there and they were not aware of each other's existence. And we also found that a lot of communities of practice, they had names or URLs or hashtags that were very historically um, focused so they might be derived from an event a few years ago or from a particular hashtag that had meaning to the people who set it up but you would never find if you looked for for example communities of practice in a search engine so and um, quite a lot of communities of practice you know throughout our six months research period that we completely unaware of initially um, so I, I know when 
when you when your report came out, I was quite you know pleased and surprised to see a couple of hashtags that I'm involved with or one I've created. Uh, we're in we're in there, but they they are for uh, movements or activities that are grassroots, volunteer driven, not what we would consider to be. In fact, I don't think we defined ourselves, for example, at Brew FE as a community of practice. Mm -hmm. Did up in the report, so it was. So does it incorporate those kind of more use, definitely not governed networks of people? It's what I would call a network, really. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that was really interesting. Um, we had a really broad sort of um, scope of what we would include. But I think we were really led by what the um, individuals we were speaking to and, you know, we were collecting was telling us people found useful. So some of the um, things we, we tried to chart were, were certainly um, really loosely organized at best, you know, and, and very often not um, formally organized. Um, people found them incredibly useful. And, um, and and I think that's, you know, that's about the, the reality of how professional practice is supported in FE. Um, you know, people, practitioners find a huge amount of value in these networks. Um, and, and that's kind of what we wanted to try and unearth. Yeah, it, that, it's fascinating, really, because I think, I think, in fact, I've talked about this before. I, I don't think necessarily colleges, for example, would specifically acknowledge those aspects of a, of a professional's life as, as being, I don't know, formally part of professional development. And yet it's so rich, isn't it? So much going on. I, I, I completely agree. And I see that all the time, you know, in, in the job that I have, is that there is a vision that professional practitioners, CPD, for using technology and learning should be somehow, you know, always formally organized and fit into neat little or boxes where you can sort of easily accredit and reward and recognize and chart and measure it. Um, but in reality, it's a lot more messy than that. And I think there's also a real sense of, you know, where you feel safe to ask the important questions. It takes quite a lot of confidence to go into a sort of big forum of people you've never met before and say, oh, okay, I really have no idea how to do this or my students are struggling with that, you know, can someone help me? Many people don't feel comfortable doing that, kind of particularly if they're new to the network. So that's why we wanted to try and include things like tweet chats or informal meetups, because what we were hearing was that that was a lot more important um, to practitioners. And I think Joy FE is another example of you know, um, an initiative that, you know, we, we kind of learned a lot about um, through our audit and um, through our work. And it's a great example of something that's, you know, highly influential and has huge impact for practitioners. Um, that is, you know, unfortunately on, on very few sort of formal maps or directories or, you know, obviously it's the word is spreading, which is fantastic to see. Yeah. yeah. I suppose, well, you see, now that's another interesting one because I'm, you know, in, I'm in the Joy FE clan. I'd, 
I don't know. Are we a clan? I'm going to call us a clan. <laughs> um, but but we, we, we sort of, we gather together at various moments, but then we go off into our other communities mm-hmm. and take that outwards. So it's like a, more like a, a spider web. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that kind of network, I think. But yeah, you're right. Um, really, really um, in full. And I saw today in the Times, um, Ed, that another community of practices took Villiers Park. So I don't know whether you've see, seen that. And so they are a community of practice going to gather around issues of social mobility. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds interesting. That, yes, that might be another one that ends up on your map. <laughs> well, this was... Um, sorry to interrupt you. Go, go on. Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, um, so um, if you have a look at Amplify FE website, um, you will see that we um, started collating a community map, um, which is a, a visual drawing um, made for us um, with Brian Mathers, um, Visual Thinkery. And I think... It was kind of our attempt to try and tell the story of, you know, what we learned in our audit in a more visual way, in a way that's less about, you know, charts and data and kind of um, formal analysis. And it's a little bit more reflective of all the creativity, and the joy and the kind of, um, you know, human side of what we learned. And... We worked with Brian to make a, a kind of remixer where you can go um, and add your own community or hashtag onto the map and kind of build your own little island or coastline and um, customize that so you can own um, own landmarks, so to speak. And that's really our hope for you know what we want to as the map grows is to give people um, within the sector more ownership of what they want to add and also how they would define, you know, the communities of this for their own context. Yeah. I, I was looking at it recently because yet another hashtag to it. And I was thinking, I think you need a bigger map, Maren. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> so, so I'm interested in the, I've, I've found that on Twitter, but I'm very conscious of, um, you know, where not, that many people use Twitter. Twitter's a bubble. It's a specific bubble. And people can forget that. So how how do people engage with Ampli or even become aware of Amplify FE if they're not in that social media space? That's a really good question. And I think, you know, that's one of the um one of the areas which we really hope to develop more. There is an Amplify V mailing list you can sign up to. And we've tried to put information about Amplify FE into um, different communities by attending events and speaking about what we're doing. So, you know, one of the reasons why I'm here today is to try and spread the word to anyone who hasn't heard about us yet. And we recently were, you know, delighted to take part in the AP um, Festival Friday, um, which, you know, was really interesting for us as an experience because we do want to you know reach out from that social media bubble um but i think particularly during this um during the pandemic when we're all in you know kind of more online that we want to be i think there is a question about well-being in communities of practice as well sort of 
know, if you're spending 12 hours a day on Zoom calls or similar, um, how much capacity and willingness do you really have and how good is it to be online more to then connect with other professionals? Um, but then I'm not sure, you know, hopefully this year will bring us some opportunities to connect with people more face-to-face -face and, and share some, some things maybe later in the year where we can go and, and meet um, meet some practitioners more in person in but yeah. <laughs> I guess so but for now <laughs> for now um, we're a little bit limited as to you know what we can do outside of social media events online and email yeah I'm just thinking more about social media and I don't know whether you've found this but um, it was in lockdown one I started to use LinkedIn more Mm -hmm. I had a little coaching session actually with somebody because I thought I don't I don't really know you know mm -hmm. who's on here who who I can connect and I found it's it's, it's different communities of people there mm -hmm. than, than you get on Twitter sometimes crossover but there are distinctly LinkedIn groups that are different to Twitter groups mm. have you do you do you operate across different social media platforms yeah so um amplifier v has um has a presence on on um twitter on instagram and on facebook um but also we we post on linkedin although there's not an actual linkedin group as yet um that's one of the areas i think we hope to kind of build on um so far we've kind of posted the um to existing events or existing discussion groups. And this is for being part of, you know, a wider cohort of um, projects that are funded by UFI has been happening to us. And we also work with um, colleagues um, who are developing a, a vocational education teaching resource platform. Um, but really we're, you know, very much driven by what we get in terms of feedback as well. So um, we hope that by posting on different platforms, you know, we will get a sense of what's most useful to um, mm -hmm. to the audience. But the the ultimate purpose for us is try and amplify the already existing networks and groups and try and raise awareness about them and spread the work that they're doing, um, whether that's, you know, um, Joy FD or, um, you know, work like, that's been happening around the AP Connect workshops or more subject specific, like I teach maths or other, um, even the UK FE chat, many people haven't heard of, um, rather than replicating kind of what they do. So we're really there to, you know, connect and raise awareness of what already is out there. And as I say, that map is getting more complicated and, you know, wonderful by the day. I don't think we'll run out of anything um, to help amplify in any time soon. No, 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 I don't, I don't think you will. Um, okay, um, what, what, because you were funded, weren't you, before this, so is there a lifespan for Amplify FE? Is there a defined lifespan or is it sustainable long term? Absolutely. Um, one of our core ambitions um, with this was not to fall into the trap of it being funded for one year and then it stops. Um, so the Association for Learning Technology has committed to supporting this network in the long term. And we were really fortunate to gain some funding from UFI 
to fund the initial piece of research that informed our work. And we are hoping um, to continue our work with the UFI Trust to help scale up some of the efforts for the community. But it is continuing and is going to continue to survive as and hopefully thrive as an independent network that is supported by ALT as a professional body and um, absolutely for the long term. Professional practice in FE, you know, only needs more attention and support and championing, not less. So we are absolutely looking forward to, you know, making, we're already making plans for the coming years and what we get up to next. Okay. Okay. Are there any highlights that you want to mention now about, you know, plan for the future? Oh, um, well, we're certainly looking to do another audit. Um, we're hoping to do an audit every year for the next couple of years so that we can start comparing how the different networks and communities and activities are developing. We're looking to include some new platforms. So maybe LinkedIn would be a good one for us to include um, in our analysis to get a richer view. Um, but more than anything, we're really looking to use our social media channels, our email list to help raise awareness of all the communities that we are now connecting with. Um, we contacted nearly um, every day by a community or network that are keen to spread about what they're doing. Um, and that's one of our key missions for this year is to try and connect up some more of the dots between all the different groups and networks um, to hopefully leverage that power of the sector's knowledge and passion a little bit more for everybody. I'm just, th I'm just thinking now of extra hashtags that we can pop on. <laughs> um, okay, uh, thank you so much. I'm going to hand over to um, Alice for the last few questions, if that's okay. Absolutely, yeah, please do. Okay, well, thank you very much, uh, Marin. Really interesting to, to listen to the project and um, just identify some of the um, kind of uh, key bits that you pick out from there, the, uh, highlighting the value that, that these communities of practice have or um, networks, to use the other word on there. And um, when we spoke to um, Gary Husband, um, he was talking to Joe about the value of grassroots. Um, in uh, He used the analogy of linking it back to music and, you know, all of the, the big changes and all of the big impact comes from um, that grassroots type um, small venues in music and he kind of was talking about the same in in education have you um would you kind of agree with those things in in this sense that what you're starting to pick up is to amplify those small signals happening in in communities and, and trying to get them heard louder absolutely um i really I, I completely agree with that and and that's you know why in some ways we, we've had to be so broad in our definition of of what we include um under the you know community of practice type heading um but I'm also really mindful that you know um there is an awful lot of reliance on individuals effort and you know commitment and I think particularly in FE where you know funding pressures are so enormous now I think it's I think it comes back to what Joe was saying earlier that you know employers don't necessarily always recognize that you know going to have a Twitter chat with Brood FE for example for is formal CPD or is important 
And I hope that one of the things we can achieve is to try and, you know, really communicate and champion the value of these activities and how much expertise there really lies in, in grassroots type activities. And I see that all the time. But when you speak to, you know, policymakers in government or, you know, sector leaders, it can be really difficult to articulate that um, and make the case for, you know, why they should support or recognize or champion those types of efforts and indeed take account of them. And one of the hopes that I have and where I'd like to see us go with this project is to, you know, to try and really increase the recognition of how important these initiatives are and how much benefit there is for, you know, day-to-day practice and for, for learners in particular. Yeah, it's it's interesting listening to you say that. I'm I'm thinking about how much value I've taken from the communities of practice that surround me. And perhaps to, to that extent, recording the podcasts um, that, that I've done with Joe, um, the, the value I've taken from that is perhaps greater than all of the CPD I've, I've done in, in kind of the, the many years teaching in a kind of formal environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite nice to, to see that that's kind of, uh, you, you're pushing for the recognition of that. Now, the good news mm. is that uh, certainly in my own institution, um, there's more recognition of this and kind of more autonomy and controlling um, kind of one's own CPD. So mm-hmm. are you starting to see this happen in, in other places as well? Have you have you witnessed this um, starting to occur yet? In, in some ways, yes. And, you know, this is where, like, why it's so important for our professional body to be, you know, in this space, because we, we're trying to really understand how can we be an effective professional body for this type of practice you know as you just said like you find doing these podcasts and similar activities the most valuable um but you know i'm often faced with organizations who'd you know ideally like a tick box type cpd activity that they can ensure that all their staff are appropriately upskilled or you know um <laughs> I'm trying not to be too flippant, but you know, you just kind of stick the word digital in front of whatever it is and then sort of hope for the best. And in reality, I, you know, I think many really successful professionals have much more informal ways of doing the right CPD for them. But you need to invest time and you need to focus on it. And it's not a tick box exercise, it's something that, you know, you need to invest yourself and engage with. And I think that's what I'd like to, you know try and get more um, from these sector audits, get more information on to kind of try and build a better case, recognize that the type of work that we do um, requires this sort of, you know, less formal, less tick boxy type approach. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, that that really did make sense. And, and while you were talking, I was kind of thinking about the fact that we've got this industry where we do the initial teacher training and there's quite often such a large um, focus there on reflective practice and Mm -hmm. um, reflecting on the learning that takes place during that and then Mm -hmm. that becomes slightly more informal that's less tick boxy that that's about your experience Mm -hmm. and then we go to the the real world um and industry and and that kind of falls away it's like hang on a minute Mm -hmm. the reflective practice has more value there doesn't it I, I think so too. And I mean, this is one of the things, you know, that we've incorporated into ALT's own accreditation um, scheme, CMOLD, that you mentioned in the introduction. So, you know, that's um, that's kind of the opposite of a tick box exercise in that, you know, it's a reflective piece and um, reflective practice-based accreditation 
Um, but, you know, many, and I do a lot of the support workshops for this um, scheme, so rewarding. But I do find that it takes some people quite a bit of time to get their head around that they can't just, you know, provide some certificates and, and, and screenshots of, you know, of papers they've written or courses that they've designed and then, you know, be awarded the accreditation because point is to try and be reflective and I think it's um, not just unique to learning technology but certainly absolutely essential in learning technology to be more reflective and for, for me personally I think one of the reasons why that is is that the tech moves so fast and the tools change so quickly um, even if we can't adopt them quickly they are still moving all the time and I think that does really warrant more reflection and sort of consideration and I think in practice we're all probably a bit too busy particularly over this last year to stop much and pause and reflect yeah I have a feeling we're all doing it in our kind of own ways it might not be those formal written things but we, we certainly are um thinking about the, the the all of the pressures that we've gone through and the changes but also some of the successes mm -hmm. um and uh I, I've been praising my own students just this week about mm -hmm. how they've responded um, mm -hmm. to the dramatic changes. Um, and it's really quite nice to see. I'm hoping that we're going to have a generation of, um, of, of learners when they go into the workplace that embrace reflective practice as a whole, you know, whatever industry they go into, because they've been really innovative and creative. Um, perhaps we need to celebrate that more with uh, teachers too, do you think? <laughs> I totally agree and um you know it's so um so important I yeah I couldn't agree more and I think there's been a lot of positives um you know coming out of the last year but um I personally I feel we're quite far away from the new normal and you know what I'm feeling hopeful about the future um I I think there is there is a lot still ahead I think for us to to get through this year but one of the one of the things I've really taken away from this project and, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so hands-on involved with it, both the research and the network, is because I think it's so hopeful and interesting and engaging to learn about how professional practice is happening and how we're finding ways of, even in the most difficult circumstances, help and support each other. I've been so amazed by how much effort people have made to help each other and share resources. And, you know, particularly in FE, I think that's been so strong. So that inspires me all the time. Uh, yeah, I really, I, I really like the, the whole kind of thing behind it. I just had this strange vision in my head of, you know, the, the Amplify FE really is like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Dr. Seuss story, the Horton Hears a Who, where he, he hears the tiny <laughs> little voices. <laughs> Um, and kind of shares those and, and I, I see that a bit like that you know it's picking out the, the tiny little bits and, and making them louder and, and creating some value to them <laughs> welcome to inside my head for a moment there <laughs> um, yeah I, I think it's, it's just it's really nice isn't it to, to give credit to all of the things that are happening and recognize them um, a lot of people making a, a lot of effort and uh, not always able to get that information out there I, and that's part Absolutely. of what you're doing there so before we finish i think um it's fair to say um that that's been really informative but i wonder if you've got any kind of uh, next stage or big plans or or kind of the the next big hope for um the project as it goes so far well um i think 
our you know our real hope is to scale it up and to connect with more people and with each other so so far we've um we've had a couple of hundred folk become involved um from across the fe sector and i think joe mentioned for example some linkedin groups um so we really want to try and reach more people and really start leveraging the power of our network um i'd love to spread the word about you know what joy fe does for example when there is a new issue of that magazine or i'd love to try and help promote the ap festival fridays so that's i think our real hope for this year is to just try and connect all communities with each other and try and really help practitioners chart a little bit more about they might get their next sort of very helpful dose of cpd from brilliant and also challenge what people think that cpd is as well as, as part of that well thank you so much i'll um, i'll pass over to joe to uh, to finish and, and wrap up as well so um, over to you joe okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's throwing that back with that. Oh, I had no warning really then. I didn't know it was going to happen. Okay. Look, I wanted to ask you, Marin, actually, um, about your radio program, which I know has oh, nothing yes. to do with Amplify FE, but um, Alistair and I have just restarted. Um, we have a, well, it's, it's a radio station called Teacher Hug Radio. Not our radio station, but we are um, the presenters on one program on which we are reviewing podcasts, obviously, because that's just our bag, our interest. But you say I read about your radio show, so what is it you do and how did that come about? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, I'd be very happy to talk about that. So, um, during lockdown, um, I moved to Cardiff last March and I didn't really know anybody in Cardiff and because oh, I knew a few people, but not very many. And because I was living there um, in a new city and no hope of meeting new people, um, like everybody else, I did a lot of my socializing online. And I have two other um, colleagues who live in Canada and they also work in the same kind of work that I do. And so we decided we would try and meet up online every Sunday on an online radio station called DS106. And I don't imagine many of you will have heard of it, but DS106 was an open online course that was um, that ran over 10 years ago and became somewhat of a legend um, and was the kind of starting point for many creative endeavors, including setting up what was then a student-led radio station on the internet. And I think the station has been largely defunct, um, except for maybe a few diehard broadcasters for many years now. But then last year in March, it suddenly sort of became reactivated as some of us jumped on the airwaves um, just to connect with each other. And I think for about six months or so, educational technologists from all across the world were broadcasting and sharing stories from their um working through the pandemic so my two friends Tannis and Anne-Marie and I um are still going nearly a year later and we meet most Sundays um and the hashtag is ds 106 radio and we mostly chat about um life in lockdown and educational technology sometimes we have a moan about how impossible work is and we just play a lot of tunes so yeah it's been a very interesting endeavor that's for sure so thoroughly enjoyable okay so it's internet based so if we search for the f106 radio we'd find how to listen to you would we 
Yeah, that's right. Um, I think the um, the website itself, where you can listen to it, is um, DS one hundred six R A D and then dot O. Um, but I think the Twitter hashtag gives you the link um, quite frequently. Okay. Okay. Oh well, well, we will uh, we'll tune into that as well and have a listen. <laughs> yeah, everybody, uh, come. Thank you so much for your time today. I know how busy you are, so real pleasure to just sit and listen um, to you know everything that's been happening and all that you're to do. That's great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Really delighted to be on this podcast and yeah, I'm looking forward to the future episodes. You've been listening to the FE Research Podcast. You can follow the conversations on Twitter using the hashtag FE Research Podcast. Thanks for listening and hopefully you can join us again soon.